Welcome everybody to the Extra Credit Show. Happy New Year's to everybody as well. I am Anselmo Moreno. I'm Richard David. What's up, Rich? Ah, just another day, you know, working hard, getting this credit fixed. That's right. That's right. So we want to welcome everybody back to the Extra Credit Show. We're going to bring uh, some really cool con content today. And uh, it really, we're going to start off with remembering 2011. Now, wow. do you rem we are in 2018 now, ladies and gentlemen, for those of you that don't know. And I want everybody to think back to 2011 and what relevant things happened to them or to the world in 2011. For example, 2011, if you guys can remember, that's when Osama bin Laden was killed. Uh, so that was a big win for the U.S. Go U.S. Um, you also remember complete opposite of that is when Prince William married uh, his princess Kate Middleton. Um, for the Apple fans, Steve Jobs died back in 2011. Is that when uh, Obama re released his birth certificate? Yeah, that's when the whole birther movement was ended uh, because yeah, Obama finally released his birth certificate in 2011. <laughs> He's a real American. It's funny because the guy who was criticizing the most back then is now president today. Man, how does the world turn? <laughs> But for those of you extra credit listeners, if you stopped paying your bills in 2011, 2018 is a big year. Yeah, it's going to be huge. It um, is your year of redemption, basically. Oh, wow. Oh, yes, yes. The seven-year rule. That's right. So if somebody stopped paying their debts in 2011, uh -huh. the seven-year clock started, and here we are approaching 2018. And that means that all of those debts are approaching the seven-year mark at this point or at some point this year. Obviously, it goes down to the month uh, that the, the delinquency, the last delinquency that, that happened. So if you stop paying your debts in 2011, 2018 is you your are, year. You just hit the credit lottery. Yeah, kind of. <laughs> well, I, I actually like to say that you basically are going to get out of credit jail. You know, it's like you have the seven-year credit jail where these negative items can stay on the credit report. And after seven years, they, they literally go away. Like, it never happened. And a lot of people are are surprised to hear about that. Like, like really? Like, it just poof, be gone? It's like, yeah. They're foreclosures? Yep. Foreclosures are gone. Yeah, you know, off, a little off topic. I wonder what those would look like, credit jails. You know, I know, I know back in the 20s, there used to be a debtor's prison. You know, I just want, I'm just, you know, off the topic thinking, what would credit jail look like? I don't know. <laughs> you, you can probably ask uh, Bernie Madoff. I heard his jail <laughs> is actually pretty, pretty spunky. Huh? Uh, oh. I'm pretty sure he's not doing time up in San Quentin. I think he's got one of those real nice spiffy jail joints. <laughs> well, but, anyways. Um, for, but foreclosures seven years ago. In fact, in 2011, I think we kind of hit the hit the peak of foreclosures. And right along with foreclosures or short sales in back in 11, I think it was kind of peaking um, all the short sales that were happening. So if you had a foreclosure or short sale, you stopped paying for credit cards. You maybe um, you had an auto loan repossession, um, medical bills, like anything like that. Any consumer credit type item, like I just mentioned. Um, is subject to that seven-year rule that most people know about. And it's actually not a rule. It's a law. It is a law. Um, and that's known as the statute of limitations for credit reporting. And it's a federal act, uh, the Fair Credit Reporting Act, and it governs how long negative items can remain on people's credit reports. So um, it's a very important thing for people to know. I, I know that um, 2011, it was kind of like we were still in a big recession. Yes. I think people were still financially strapped or people may have uh, began to feel the the pinch of the financial crisis. And so a lot of people still 
um, lost things in 2011. And by things, I mean homes, you know, cars, let go of credit cards. And so 2018 is really a big year for those folks that maybe stopped paying or were forced to default on their accounts in 2011. Yes, it's going to be a tremendous year. Um, as we mentioned earlier, you know, you're, you're going to be free from a lot of obligations on your credit report. Um, so keep track of that. We're, you know, look forward to that. And uh, today we're going to discuss a lot of topics, um, more so uh, along the lines of when does the seven years actually end? Is there, you know, that kind of stuff, uh, the, the misconceptions such as um, can the seven years be renewed? Well, we're, we're, me and Anselm, we're going to talk about that today to clarify this for you. And, you know, because because of this, it, like, I think that the seven-year statute of limitations or the seven-year rule, as it's known by people, it's probably the most misunderstood topic in mm -hmm. all of credit. Yes. It's the most prominent thing that people know, but it's also the most misunderstood thing that people know. And so we want to clear that up today um, in this podcast, we're going to clear that up. So we talked about the seven-year rule and that being uh, applicable to foreclosure, short sales, mortgages, like everything related to consumer credit. But there's some very notable exceptions. Yes, right? there is. And so some of those notable exceptions are really popular things like student loans. So mm -hmm. if you have student loans, those are not subject to the seven-year rule. Tax liens are Correct. also not subject to the seven-year rule. Bankruptcies as well are not subject to the seven-year rule. Um, so bankruptcies actually have their own statute, right? And uh, depending on the state you live in, uh, judgments as well. Um, but that is a topic that's going to get a little trickier. But you know, you know, although they can only stay on your credit report for seven years, there's a different statute of limitation on how long they can actually come after you. So it's important to know the difference on on that as well. Right. There's there's a lot of like credit, credit reporting is so nuanced, you know, and, and you really got to understand the context of a lot of things. Um, but to keep it to keep it going, student loans can technically report on your credit report indefinitely. Yes. So there is no statute of limitations for student loans. No. Right. Tax liens. Um, that's a 10 year statute of limitations. OK. Uh, bankruptcies. That's also a 10 year statute of limitations. Yep. And so that means that the item can be remain on the credit report for up to 10 years. Yes. Um, now, judgments technically are credit reported for seven years, but like you said, that's a, it's a whole different system that governs how they're enforced. Yes. So credit reporting is just simply the act of someone putting a judgment on the credit report. But a whole nother subject there is the person who owns the judgment and their ability to collect it, which we know as wage garnishments and bank levies and you know all kinds of fun stuff. Liens like that. on property. Liens on property. And so that a judgment in the state of California is collectible for up to 10 years, right? So even though, and a lot of people get hung up in that period of year seven to year 10, where it's not on the record anymore, when by record, I mean credit report, it's not on the credit report anymore, but it's, so they can't actually see it, but then they go try to buy a property and boom, the judgment shows up because it's in that three year, like invisibility period, I guess you can call it. And it gets worse here in California, unlike in mo most states in California, that judgment can actually be renewed. Yeah, multiple times, multiple, more than once, indefinitely. So that and so that's a whole nother topic. Um, so judgments are very, very bad if if you haven't figured that out yet. Um, and and I think this that statute of limitations is different than the credit reporting statute. And like you said, it varies from state to state. Yes, so sir. Every state can have different statute of limitations for collectability on judgments. Some are less than ten years. Some are more than ten years. So if you are not in California, 
look it up. It would be the statute of limitations on judgments. But going back to credit reporting, you know, the seven-year statute being the most misunderstood thing, we want to expand on that a little bit more because probably I think that the root of all the misunderstandings of the seven-year rule is consumers are unable to pinpoint or figure out when that seven years starts and when that seven years actually ends. And a lot of that is due to the fault of uh, the internet. Everybody seems to want to uh, give their opinion on when it starts or what they think they know. And it, it just gets so convoluted with so many different answers that you, people just don't know. They, they don't understand and they don't look up the actual facts, uh, you know, under the Fair Credit Reporting Act to, to determine what the real start date is. Um, and for those of you listening, all our viewers um, or, or all our listeners, um, the seven year starts from the date of last activity which is defined as the last time you made a payment uh, to the creditor. Um, so when you stop paying for this account, that's when time starts. And that can be very confusing for people because the question then arises is, what if I made a payment to the debt collector, right? And can something like that restart that seven-year clock? Well, um, it can restart a different clock, but not the seven-year clock. That that time frame is set in stone once the original creditor gives it up sells it charges it off sends it to a collection agency the time cannot be reset for credit reporting but it can be reset for collectability purposes such as we were discussing judgments and whatnot yeah. so so for example if you had a and this is probably the most common thing if you had a credit card in 2011 and you went through a tough time because, you know, tough times don't discriminate, right? Sometimes it is super important um, or like, for example, it is it is more important to keep food on the table and gas in the gas tank than to pay a credit card debt. Like we, we get that, you know, we've lived that, we've helped people get get through that. Um, and so if that something like that happened to you where you had to essentially pick between your credit cards and food on the table, um, the the seven year clock starts when you last made a payment, like you said, to the mm -hmm. credit card, and then that boom, seven years starts. Seven years later, the, the account is past the statute of limitations. It gets removed from the credit report. Nothing you do or nothing that they do between now, between then and now, will restart that seven year rule. And the uh, the big misconception is, well, what if I talk to the debt collector, uh, or the big one is, what if they sell it to another debt collector? I think the the common preface that I hear from consumers is, oh, well, that account is super old, but it's been sold and resold and resold. And every time that it gets sold, it gets re-aged on my credit report for another seven years. And that, I don't want to say that we've never seen it happen because credit debt collectors, they definitely try to get away with that, but that does not make it legal and it doesn't make it an easy challenge to win. And, and that's what I tell a lot of my clients um, is that, you know, the law says one thing, but the practices are another. Uh, Collectors are going to try to get away with it from time to time. Creditors might try to do it as well. And unless you are informed and you call them out on it, uh, you may suffer those consequences. But um, going back to the the resetting, talking to a collector, selling it to a, a, another collection agency over and over and over, it's not going to reset the seven-year statute of limitations. It might pop up on your credit report as a new collection, because uh, it is it, it, technically, but the seven years is still going to be from when you stopped paying the original creditor and there's nothing they can do about that. Uh, what if you dispute it? 
what if you dispute it? Um, Does that, that reage the seven years? No, no. That, Nothing. Dispute, disputing is your consumer right. Uh, listen, the credit reporting system was made to depict accurately, you know, what, how, how, how lendable you are. You know, everything has to be accurate. Everything has to be fair. And it is your right to dispute an account. Don't ever let anyone tell you that disputing an account is not something that you, you don't have the right or the privilege to. Because in the end, it's their burden of proof. They are the ones causing you damage by placing something derogatory on your credit report. And you have a chance to ask them to prove it. Um, that's not going to reset the time clock. You're just exercising your rights there. Right. And so that's the big takeaway, guys, is the seven-year statute, nothing nothing can reset that. So don't be afraid if if you want to maybe take control of your credit, take control of your situation, and you want to look into the debt, and maybe you see things on your credit report that are kind of questionable, mm -hmm. and you're scared to just even call the debt collector uh, because you're scared that it might re-age something or you might mess something up. Don't be scared. Nothing you do will reset that seven-year so if you want to call a debt collector and just ask them a question like, hey, what the heck is this for? Do it. Don't be afraid that you're going to reset any statute of limitations because you're not. The statute of limitations for the Fair Credit Reporting Act that governs how long negative items can stay on the credit report cannot be reset for any reason. If every, th every time you contacted a collector uh, or creditor asking them what an account was, you know, you reset your statute of limitations the credit report would be almost worthless because how, how would you know if the account is even a legitimate account? How, how would you know if this account wasn't fraud? Or are you not going to contact the creditor collector uh, simply because you're scared of keeping in there, there longer? No, that, that would make absolutely no sense. It is your right to question. It is your right to challenge. Um, do not be afraid. Right. Especially if you, you know, what's holding you back is the fear of having that account stay on there for another exactly. seven years. Because, I mean, believe it or not, when people find out that the seven years is maybe right around the corner, they kind of start to think like um, uh -oh. it, it's 2018. <laughs> right. So the big question is, you know, should should somebody t pay their debts if they're going to be reaching the seven year statute soon? So, I mean, just to paint a picture, um, I think it's on a case by case basis. Yes. Um, but what happens after the seven years go by and they, they're still trying to collect or can they still collect? Yes. Just because a debt falls off your credit report doesn't mean that a collector can't call you on it. The, a debt is a debt is a debt and it'll always be owed. Um, should you pay it? I mean, you, you start j jumping into morality there or, uh, you know, as a consultant, I would tell you if it's about to be seven years and it's not a judgment, don't pay it. It's don't throw good money to bad debt, if you will. Um, but as you just explained, it's on a case by case basis. What if the what if the account is, you know, just to give an example, what if the account is six years and two months old? And you want to buy this house really, really, really bad that you know is not going to last on the market another 10 months. You go to a mortgage lender and the mortgage lender tells you you don't qualify because you have this debt that's stopping you from qualifying. Well, now it's up to you as a consumer to decide what's worth more, waiting the 10 months and saving yourself a couple grand or buying this house now. And that's so subjective to the situation because obviously you have to do 
a cost benefit analysis on something like that. Exactly. For example, if you have something as big as your dream house on the line mm -hmm. and you're talking about a thousand dollars in the way of an old debt, you, you might want to pay the thousand bucks to get to the house. Mm -hmm. But if you're talking about a $50,000 debt, you might wait it out. Right. So mm -hmm. it's totally a cost benefit analysis that would be done on a situation like that. That is correct. But the, the takeaway is the debt does not expire. It, no. They just lose their ability to credit report. That is correct. And and with, with the loss of the ability to credit report basically limits them in what they can do to kind of convince you to pay. Um, well, they, they can't convince you to they pay. They can't, right? Well, they, and they can't really force you to pay either because it's past the statute of limitations. But it doesn't mean that you don't owe the money. And a lot mm. of people, they'll, they'll get a letter from a really old debt and they'll kind of freak out and they'll be scared that it's going to show up on the report. And most of the time, the conversation goes like, well, it is an old debt. No, they can't credit report. But yes, they can still send you a letter to try to collect it. Because technically, at the end of the day, you still owe the money. That is now, correct. your options are ignore it or pay it. I mean, really. Or well, send them a cease and desist. There you go. Right? Um, and a cease and desist will just stop them from sending any communications ever. Exactly. For, the, for those of you that don't know what a cease and desist is, it's a, you have to give them a written notice explaining them just that. Don't communicate with me about this debt ever. And they can no longer call you. They can no longer send you any mail. Essentially, you've tied their hands behind their back. Yeah, and then that's, that's going to be a fun show when we talk about the, the big pitfalls of the season desist because uh -huh. it sounds amazing, but it actually has some really big pitfalls. So, oh, yes. Um, but also, you know, going back to the topic of the seven-year rule, um, I think that consumers and what we find ourselves doing a lot with our clients is when we analyze a credit report, we immediately want to inventory which accounts they have and how old they are, mm -hmm. particularly to see when they're approaching the seven-year mark. Mm -hmm. Because if we're creating a credit repair plan and that plan is maybe a six-month plan, we may want to avoid any accounts that hit their seven years during the six-month plan. Of course, it would make no sense. Why, why waste time on something that you know is supposed to fall off? Exactly. Focus and on the, the stuff that needs to be worked on it, immediately. It, absolutely. And so in, that, in something like that, you know, we would definitely advise the clients like, okay, well, these accounts hit seven years in the next month or two months or three months. Um, it's your choice whether you want to pay them or not. But I'm telling you as an advisor that this account will be deleted from your credit report on this date of this month of this year. It's supposed to at least. It's supposed to, in theory, mm -hmm. right? And so uh, so technically, you know, that, that plan is set. Now, if that person um, wants to particularly or possibly buy a house during that time frame or maybe before the debt expires, then we have to talk about resolving the debt um, prior to hitting the seven years. So it's all subjective. And I think that if you understand the seven years, you're going to make the right call for your situation. You know, like my whole my whole goal is, okay, a very good example is if you stop paying an account in, I don't know, December 2011, okay. right? So we've determined that 2018 is your year, okay. particularly December 2018, it hits its seven years, Okay. right? So so it literally will report all the way up until the month of December most of the time. Right? Yes. We'll probably get it off in November, but you know, November, December timeframe. Let's just, for clarity's sake, we'll just keep it the December date. Um, but you absolutely have to buy a house in the summer because you got to move. You don't want to move your kids in the middle of the school year. Your lease yada, is yada, about yada. to be up and you don't want to sign another year lease. Exactly. You know, just life situations force you to have to buy a house in the summer. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, the, the situation is very simple to approach is you either have to take care of the debt. And if it, it, like the economics make sense, if it's a $500 debt, 
you're probably not going to wait it out. Nope. Right? You'll just bite the bullet, pay the 500 bucks, knowing that it, it would have gone away in December anyways, but you need to buy a house in the summer and this, this counts in your way. Yeah, that makes sense. You know, you don't, you're not a fool for doing it. You no. just made the, the decision of putting the house over the silly little debt. As you stated earlier, it's uh, you have to weigh the cost benefit analysis. Uh, and so, and, and you know, on, on the reverse side, if it doesn't make sense because the debt is five grand and that you don't want to spend five grand and you'd rather wait till January, then you save your five grand and you wait till January. I mean, but it, it that's the power that comes with understanding when the seven-year mark hits mm -hmm. and knowing exactly how it works so you can leverage your rights or invoke your rights and getting the accounts off when they should be or waiting waiting it out so you can save money when you can. Um, so that is really, I think, the true power of understanding the seven-year statute and how it works. Um, yeah, no, that well said. Yeah. So, um, but anything else? I think we're, I mean, I'm kind of done. Well, uh, gonna throw a wrench at you at the very end of the show uh but for those of you that want to know the actualities uh it's common knowledge that it's seven years but did you know that it's actually seven years and six months the seven years starts from the six months after the action that preceded causing it going into default yeah it's a really technical um this is for all you uh credit nerds out there yeah it's, it's actually a really technical like analysis of it because like you said <clears throat> the fair credit reporting act actually states you know it gives a six-month buffer from the last date of payment so mm -hmm. technically speaking um it can report for seven and a half years it doesn't always get applied but that is the actuality of it i've, I've never seen it applied I, i've seen it a few times i've, I've never seen it applied i know that we kind of discovered that extra six months um mm -hmm. like we literally read the fair credit reporting act and we discovered that and we're like, what the heck? Um, <laughs> but then in theory, like in actual practice, because we, we see reports like by the hundreds, I've never oh, seen it. Thousands. Yeah, at this by point. the thousands. And I've never actually seen one go the seven and a half yeah. years. I've seen it maybe two or three times yeah. in so, my career. So it's just one of those where um, just a weird credit fact, a really weird credit fact. But thank you for bringing that up because... Um, if if you're an expert listening to us, you just confirmed we're experts in, you know, for the consumers that are listening to us, hopefully that just kind of adds a layer of uh, like authenticity to us because we do know the details and the ins and outs. And sometimes we don't like to maybe start with that because, no. it, you know, you don't really, want to confuse the consumer. You, exactly. It's just so nuanced that maybe you don't necessarily want to, you know, bring out the big guns, if you will. <laughs> we want to. We want to have a very educated public, but we also want to, and, and I like to explain things in a way that hopefully they can retain the information and they can process it and apply it as it applies to them. And speaking of processing info as it applies to them, uh, are you ready for the extra credit task of the week? Oh, yes. So the extra credit task of the week for all of you that are listening, um, check your credit reports for negative items. Um, whether they're paid or unpaid. Whether they're paid. Just negative items, period. Correct. Figure out when the seven-year time frame for them is up. Um, you know, keep a record and make sure you hold the credit bureaus accountable in case they try to change the date on you. Um, I don't know about you, but I do remember at least one time where I looked at a credit report for a consumer that was being sent in by the credit bureaus, and I saw the date, the estimated date of removal, 
uh, I don't remember the specific year, but it was like May of 13. Well, next month when we did our initial disputes, we got the report back and it said expected date of removal, June. And then when we, when we did a second round, because some stuff hadn't fallen off, the expected date of removal was July of the same year. So they just kept adding a month every single time. And, uh, you know, it really irked me, and I nailed them on it, but it does happen. I don't know They're if you've ever seen anything full, like pull that. pull a fast one on you. Yeah, they. I've seen all kinds of crazy stuff, and that's one of them. Um, <laughs> so, for you know, so if you guys want to determine and figure out exactly when the negative item should be removed, the way that you figure that out, the easiest way, uh, and, and you write this down because this is a big takeaway, yes. is you go to annualcreditreport.com. And you pull each bureau, Equifax, Experian, and TransUnion. And literally, those are what we call full disclosure. So that's yes. a full credit report. Nothing is omitted. Nothing is retracted. And that credit report will very clearly tell you the expected date of removal. So you can keep a copy of the report, and it'll tell you exactly what month and what year that negative item is going to be removed. So that's the easiest way, short of you having a credit analyst look at your report and try to figure out the data last activity and you know trying to figure all that stuff out. If you just pull an annual credit report, get a full disclosure from the Bureau, it will literally list on the trade line the expected date of removal very nicely and very easily for you to see. And obviously, like you said, for you to keep records of and hold these bureaus accountable in case they try to change the date on you. And sometimes it's not the bureau, sometimes it's the debt collector. Um, so again, extra credit task of the week, check your credit reports for the negative items, figure out exactly when they're scheduled to be removed and then hold them accountable. And if you need a cost benefit analysis as to whether you should deal with one of those old debts or not, give us a call, reach out to us. We'd be more than happy to help you. That's actually what we do for a living besides recording these fun shows. So uh, thank you everybody for listening to The Extra Credit Show. I am Anselmo Moreno. I am Richard David. And don't forget to like and subscribe to our podcast. And if you're watching us on YouTube, subscribe to our channel. Thank you everybody. See you later. <laughs>